Hello and welcome to the first episode of season seven of Bear Books Podcast. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. And on this episode, we are kicking off with an interview with indie author Joe Fletcher and her debut novel, Here You Are. April, tell us a little bit about what's inside the book. I will, yes. So, would-be artist and romantic Elder Brown is shaken to the core when an encounter with hotshot barrister Charlotte Mason disrupts the monotony of her daily grind. Career-minded fixer Charlie Mason has forged a solid reputation inside the courtroom and between the sheets. She's accustomed to inviting people into her bed rather than her head, but meeting Elder challenges her outlook. As Elder and Charlie navigate their newfound connection, an unexpected friendship blossoms that gives them a renewed sense of purpose to confront the scars of their past. Will Elder and Charlie, flawed and haunted by their own histories, dare to seize the opportunity for romance? Can they gather the courage to unlock their hearts and find the happiness they truly deserve? Team Charlie. Uh, No, I'm sorry, I have to disagree with you. (laughs) Big surprise. (laughs) Why am I not shocked? Team Elder all the way, I have to say. She's artistic, I can relate to that. She's flawed, I can relate to that. (laughs) Despite being a bit of a princess on occasion. Um, She has a bit of a dark side. She does struggle with life sometimes. It makes her relatable. It makes her human. And it just makes me, I don't know, I'm rooting for her from the off. I really liked her character right from the very beginning. So why are you Team Charlie and not Elder? Well, I'm Team Charlie because she's a lot more organised and a lot more matter of fact. However, she too is flawed. I mean, she does see sex as a transaction. You know, it's not something that is part of a loving relationship for her it's just like let's get into bed let's have get it over and done with and let's let me be on my way yeah which is a bit that's hard and it's cruel but as you read through the book you get to understand the reasons why she's like that and it makes her more likable i think she's also being taken the mickey out of by somebody uh, and it takes her a long 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 time to come to terms with that I don't know if I necessarily agree with her jumping in and out of bed as cruel because she does have a moment where she tries to apologise to one of her regular partners and is told categorically, it's not like I'm in love with you, you know, this is a mutual understanding of sex only. So, you know, it may seem a little bit cold and calculated, but when it's mutual to both partners, I don't think it is cold or calculating or cruel. No, they're not all like that, are they? It's not conducive to a happy future. Not at all. I found the book to be really meaty. There's more to it than the romance. The characters of both Charlie and Elder, whilst I'm not Team Elder, her character was amazing. There was a lot of inference there. So the backstory of both of the characters was inferred and and you could build up a picture of how their lives sort of met, worlds collided, if for want of a better word. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, car collided, but hey. But there was one particular scene in the book, and it was where Elder had invited Charlie into her, her artist studio. I could see Charlie's uncomfortableness at being in a place that she just wasn't familiar with. One of the things I like about this book is that there are some protagonists. 
And it's not just a fluffy love story. Even with the dark side of the two of our main characters, there are other characters in the book that I would see as protagonists, like Kim, Mm -hmm. like Francis. Definitely. I just think, you know, there are characters that are bad for Charlie and Elder individually, not necessarily as a couple, but in their personal lives, outside of their mutual relationship, they've each got their own protagonists. And I like the fact that there is a, if well, cast of characters, for want of a better phrase. There are cast of characters that do contribute to the personalities that are Charlie and Elder. Yeah, they definitely have a part to play. I mean, I did hate Elder's mother. I can't deny that. Yeah, but she was written for us to dislike her, wasn't she? Of course she was. Anyway, should we uh, should we find out Joe's take on how she wrote it, etc.? Can't wait to hear this. So now that we've had that amazing introduction of today's author, let's start grilling her, shall we? Why don't you kick us off with the first question, April? Oh, well, yeah, thanks ever so much. Welcome, Joe. So can you tell us about the inspiration behind Here You Are and how the story of Charlie and Elder came to life for you? Yeah, I can. I can. So I had like the seed of an idea about Paris as the city of love, offering nothing but disappointment. So Elder came to life during 2021 when I started doing NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. And I just started writing about this scene in which she's in the shower of a dead-end Parisian hotel room where she'd spent yet another weekend kind of disappointed, yearning for the perfect partner. That scene didn't actually make it into the book, but it is kind of her backstory that she comes she comes home from this weekend and she offloads to her best friend. It really came from my own experiences, really, because I'd had a couple of relationships where I'd been whisked off to Paris on a like a romantic break. A few lucky thing. Well, yeah. But both of these relationships ended quite abruptly afterwards. So I'd always wanted to like play with that story of Paris being the city of love, but actually offering nothing but disappointment. And that's really where the, the germ of the idea came from. Yeah. And to be honest, I was so fearful of that Paris jinx that it took me 14 years to go, to, to go there with my wife. And she was working in Paris, but I was actually kind of worried. I was thought, if we go to Paris, am I going to split up with it with you like weeks afterwards? <laughs> anyway, that didn't happen, thankfully. But yeah, that's where the story of Elder started. Obviously, as you know, it goes on a very different journey after that, but that's where it started. So the characters of Charlie and Elder are emotionally closed off and desperate for love respectively what aspects of their personalities do you find most intriguing and how did you develop their characters yeah i mean they're very they're closed off in very different ways aren't they i mean elder has got abandonment issues and she's got some instability in her family and that makes her really yearn for somebody who loves her and then charlie on the other hand has a really wonderful loving family but she experienced the loss the death of her first love yeah so she has almost built barriers around her heart and that's where we come into her story. She sees sex as a transaction between people and doesn't put any emotion into it. So it's Elder that breaks down those barriers for Charlie. And I just wanted to explore both of their journeys and pick up on those differences and, and show the, the contrast. So for Elder, the abandonment, the fear, 
in terms of intriguing, I really found the relationship between Elda and her grandmother really intriguing. And I loved exploring that. And in Charlie's story, I really found her family scenes really interesting to write so that we show her nurtured and looked after and loved by her parents. And we see the contrast of Elder's family. Uh, and, and so those, those are the things that I wanted to explore in the story. But you're right, they're, they're very closed off in completely different ways. Mm. I wanted to slap Elder's mother. Yeah, I wanted to slap her at various points in the story. I mean, she is kind of a nasty character. She is a villain in this story. And she's got her own baggage. And, and hopefully we see some of the redemption right at the end. And I had to build that in because, you know, it, we want to see people redeeming themselves. Um, but yeah, there are points at which we don't really like her. No. So the, the novel explores the dynamics of a sapphic romance between a barrister and an artist. Two completely different sort of professions. So how did you approach portraying that relationship authentically and sensitively? Yeah, I mean, I did want their career choices to be part of their characters, that contrast in characters, this, a sort of opposites attract, really. But I didn't want their career choices to completely define them. So um, there's some contrast there between Elder's creativity and her kind of softness, and also Charlie's quite harder-edged, career-minded lawmaker. But they all they come together, even though they're, they're contrasting in their career sense, they come together in so many other ways. In terms of how I sort of got to the authenticity of that, some of it comes from my own experiences. So I've, I've been close to particularly artists and I've I tried to depict some of that emotional depth, um, the way Elder struggled to interpret so much of her the hurt that she'd felt in her life and some of the very practical things that that we see in the in the book so the the exhibition that she gets involved in her career in Paris some of that came from my early early experience uh, and equally Charlie's career I, I did a bit of research I, I talked to people who worked in law I observed their routines and and added some flavor to it um, I've also had some life experience in family law, so I kind of wanted Charlie's career to have that flavour to it. So, yeah, that's what I tried to bring to those aspects of, of the book. You've got quite a colourful background to draw on then, personally. I have, yeah. I mean, fortunately, I've met some some really wonderful and varied people in my life, um, some, of, some of whom are still really close friends. Yeah. I have kind of got those strands to to pull on when I'm when I'm thinking of a story and this was my first one so in a way I chucked everything into the melting pot yeah and what came out came out well it does delve into the complexities of balancing personal and professional lives so you've already said that you did some research and you have drawn on your own experiences from that but there's a big difference between a personal and a professional life do you think the personal life of Charlie for example as the barrister do you think her personal life ties in with the profession that you gave her? I think lots of people will recognise the tension between career choices and personal lives. And, and sometimes we do play that kind of double life, don't we? Who we, who we are perceived as at work isn't necessarily who we are at the weekend. And I think there's a little bit of that in, in Charlie. There's also the fact that she invested in her career. So she wanted to, to plough herself into her career. 
um, and work is something that she's driven by, in particular that family law element because of her backstory um, and the fact that she wanted to do something that reflected the loss that she felt early in her life. And when she meets Elder, some of that tension between that double life sort of melts away because she has to sort of reconcile the two and become a more sort of congruent character. She has to realise that actually she is quite a kind person who's doing quite a good job and is successful. And actually all these sort of flings and one night stands are probably not the person that she really wants to be in life. Maybe you have to be a little bit hard-faced maybe for want of a better way to put it as a barrister because it's other people's lives and and you're impacting lots of people. You've got to be able to shut that off. You've got to be able to build a wall at some level. Yeah, exactly. It must impact your personal life too. Yeah, yeah, you you have to. I mean, the, the area of law that Charlie's working in particularly is is children's law. So, yeah, she can't take every story home with her. And to some extent, she lets off steam by having sort of short-term relationships and, and yeah. relationships that don't have any emotional connection. So when she meets Elder, that that does challenge her. Charlie is a really interesting character, I think, in that way, because yeah. she presents conflicting views of herself and we, and as a reader you have to think oh sometimes I don't like her but actually <laughs> she's you know she, again she redeems herself I think the other thing that I think came to my into my mind when I was doing the redraft of the story was I didn't want Charlie to give up her career for Elder there's a point at which Charlie could have given up and said I'll go with you and I didn't want that for her because I think that many of us are told that you can't have it all and you have to sacrifice this for that. Yeah. Actually, I didn't want that for Charlie. I wanted, to, I wanted her to have her career and have a really good relationship. So that was important for me at the end. Nice. It's funny you sort of saying there about there was bits of Charlie that you disliked. For me, I found it the other way around. There was parts of Elder that I disliked. Oh, really? That's really interesting. But I related more to Charlie than I did Elder, so I think that's most probably why I thought, mm, I'm not really keen on you doing that. And You are a little bit selfish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, art plays a significant role in the novel, Elder's Creations. Can you share your thoughts on the symbolism of art in the context of their relationship and why, you know, that, that was in the sort of narrative? That's right. And And she was a struggling artist right at the beginning, so I wanted to see her kind of succeed in in that um and and again not give up on her dreams but come up against some challenges but in terms of what the art gave me the opportunity to do it gave me the opportunity to have them talk to each other and sort of reveal some of their vulnerabilities so one of their earliest conversations is about elders trio of paintings huge imposing canvases and she talks about you know them exploring loneliness and and shame those are two feelings that stick to elder like glue so i really wanted the that conversation to draw that out of elder and then there are other conversations throughout the story where it gives us a glimpse into how elder lets charlie into her world so you know she talks to her about what the paintings mean she doesn't really talk to anybody else about what the paintings mean her best friend jack isn't allowed in her studio when she paints so but charlie is and she becomes part of the furniture quite quickly um and equally charlie we see her internal thoughts and her doubting herself about giving the perfect answer 
you know, should I know what this piece of art means? Actually, I don't really mind not knowing what this piece of art means. So the art in the book is more about giving us the opportunity to just sit on their shoulders and listen into their conversations and see how vulnerable they both are around those pieces. Yeah. So here you are, as we said earlier, is your debut novel. So what was the most challenging aspect of the writing process? I would say time because I do have a full-time job. And so um, trying to sort of sneak in an hour here, half an hour there, two hours here to do writing and rewriting. And that was that was the most challenging thing. So it, it took me quite a long time. Um, also, I went into it with a really limited knowledge of plotting. So yeah. I sort of just wrote loads of words and then with this massive lump of words tried to then retrofit uh, you know what is this story telling me where are they where are their journeys heading so there was a little bit of rework involved in just shaping that story but I guess I'm glad that I went on that that path myself because now I'm working on my second book I can see all the flaws of not having a plot to begin with and not having an outline so I think that's that's helped me learn quickly um, and I had some amazing support from some other authors. Um, I went on a writing retreat this time last year and that network of other authors really helped me to hone the craft, but also bounce ideas around and be reading, reading out loud for the first time. So that was, that was really helpful. And I, and I think um, I learned a lot from, from that. Yeah. Words for the page and words to be read out loud are quite different, aren't they though? Yeah, definitely. It puts a whole other slant on what you've written. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's only a few scenes in the book that I ever, I would feel comfortable reading aloud mm-hmm. um, at, at, at things like events because the rest of it, it's for, your, it's for yourself to consume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how long did it take you, Joe, then to actually write the book from start to finish? Because you said that it was a learning curve, so... I started writing it during NaNoWriMo of 2021 and I bashed out 50,000 words in in that month. Pretty impressive. But as I say, it was sort of stream of consciousness. It was, what do I know about Elder? And to be honest, I think I wrote Elder's story first and then yeah. wrote Charlie's story and then started to um, mould this sto- story, this novel together. Yeah. And then I, I worked on it throughout 2022 Worked with an editor at the end of 2022, and um, and we shaped it up for publication in in September. So, all in all, I would say the timeline was about 18 months, but not solidly because I was I was nowhere near working on it, yeah, uh, full time. So, in your opinion, then, Joe, what makes sapphic romance an important, compelling genre to explore in literature, and how does EUR contribute to the representation of the the LGBT? plus relationships? I think everybody deserves to recognise their story in books and film and TV. I grew up as a very confused teenager and even as an adult didn't have the reference points in, in the media to say, oh, that feels familiar. So I think we need sapphic romance it, we could do with some more positive happy endings in the world romance definitely delivers on that mm-hmm. it's an escape and if the main characters represent you or your family or your friends then even better 
And I think Here You Are is one of those stories that has romance at its heart. So it is a romanced novel, but it also plays around with those themes of grief and hurt in your past and recovery from that. So I think people that pick it up, from what they've told me, they've found something that's that's not just a, a really nice story of two people falling in love, but actually a, a nice story of people repairing something that's perhaps really damaged in their life. I did think that the, the story had a bit of meat to it. Thank you. I actually read it before Daisy read it. You did, yeah. Yeah, I said too, I said I've actually enjoyed that. It's got something to it. It's not just a fluffy romance novel. Oh, thank you, April. That that means the world, actually. I thought it was quite intricate and very compelling in places. Obviously glad for the happy ending. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't apparent as you were reading through the book that that happy ending was going to happen. Yeah, the book does has some, it has some low points, I know. And I do put a lot of emphasis on the reader kind of plowing through those really low points to get to the mm-hmm. the better times which I know as a reader that can sometimes be hard especially when you're dealing with themes like you know losing loved ones and and that sort of thing yeah that is hard yeah and that and I drew a lot of that from from my own personal experience I mean I wrote the novel on the back of losing my mum she died during covid so sorry to hear that it was it was a tough time. I mean, we all had tough times during COVID, didn't we? But mm. for those that lost people during a time where you couldn't necessarily go into the hospitals, you couldn't necessarily care for them at home, it was really rough. Some of that pain and, and grief comes out definitely in those scenes where Elder is losing a grandmother. Yeah. So, yeah. It, but hopefully people plough through that and they they reconnect with the romance at the end. Yeah. There is a lot of identity and self-discovery in this story. So how do you think those themes will resonate with your readers? And what message do you hope readers will take away from Charlotte and Elder's journey? Charlie. (laughs) Charlotte's a Sunday name. (laughs) It is. I think readers want to see somebody's quest to sort of, whether they're setting out on a physical journey or a journey to discover their own self-identity they they want to join them on that quest and I hope that I've given people a little bit of a journey to go through and it has some some ups and downs Mm. and I want people to really take away the message that there is recovery after loss you can mend a broken heart however it's broken you can find your person in the world and it's a story of 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 hope really yeah I think you're right. Grief is a process. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people do temporarily or more than go off the rails in the way that they cope with it all. And it's different for absolutely everybody. There is no set way of grieving. You're right. And your story does show that there is an ending to that at some point where you have to, your life has to grow around the grief and the grief will get smaller within it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It was a very traumatic time for Elder. And possibly that's the only point at where I thought that Charlie could actually have been a little bit better than she was. Yeah. It didn't make me dislike her. It just made me want to say to her, come on, think about this. 
I know. And, and I had to think really carefully about the factors in Charlie's life that were preventing her from just dropping everything. Because, yeah. because I didn't want the reader to think, why aren't you just running to her now? So, I mean, you'll have read. There is a little bit of drama in Charlie's life at that point. Yeah. And she has to juggle everything. And, and also, I think that characteristic that she's got of being a fixer, she likes to fix everybody's problems, whether it's in the courtroom or in her own personal life. She wants to fix everything. And at that point in, in Elder's life, Charlie is trying to fix somebody else's problems rather mm. than Elder's. And, and that is a flaw. And we do have to, we do have to say to Charlie, "What you're doing?" She does make a mis- She makes a mistake there. I agree with you. I, I got the feeling that the problem that Charlie was trying to fix didn't really want to be fixed. Was just quite happy relying on Charlie to just stump up money every so often. Yeah, and and those characters, those sort of side characters, supporting cast of characters, they bring their own baggage and their own drama yeah um and we don't have to love every one of them i mean we don't love elder's mom but yeah (laughs) yeah kim is a particular problem for for charlie she has to work out how she deals with that and i think she at the end she kind of does grow up a bit around that situation i think it's kind of nice to um not like somebody now and again (laughs) yeah yeah i think she just played on on charlie and, and was a little a little bit manipulating if i'm honest yeah, I think that's a, that's a really interesting observation. I mean, I, I was I was writing that that character Kim and her family with as much empathy as I could muster, but ultimately she was getting in Charlie's way. She was getting in the way at work. She was getting in the way of Elder's and, and Charlie's relationship, and she was becoming a financial drain. So she was a problem for Charlie to to grapple with. She fully played on Charlie's guilt. Yeah, of course she did. And there is a time when you have to say to people like that's about time you grew up still on your own two feet. Yeah, yeah. As an indie author, Joe, then what advice do you have for inspiring writers, especially interested in exploring the LGBT plus themes in their work? So I think there's a vast community of other writers out there. And if you haven't found your people yet, just get on social media, get to some events. Uh, go to some seminars or some training events or some retreats and you'll find a network of people who can really support you and and have your corner. I've found everybody to be so supportive in this particular writing community, the sort of sapphic romance, sapphic fiction community, whether it's helping to promote your book or being an advanced reader or just sort of being there to do writing sprints with that can be so helpful and and writing can be such an isolating task you know you are just putting words on a page on your own usually but I think you do need other people with you however introvert you are if you're like me and most of us we like to sit in our bedrooms and write words don't we but (laughs) it is is worth it and and I've really enjoyed going to things like the pride events with the book and with other authors so that you feel like you're part of part of something and meeting readers. It's great. Fantastic. So lastly, can you give us a glimpse into any upcoming projects? And I know you hinted earlier that you are writing another novel. So you've got that in the works. 
Yeah, so I'm working on my second novel. It's not related to Here You Are. That is a, a standalone. Although okay. I think there's a couple of characters that I'd love to go back to. So I'd love to go back to Sylvie, the, the okay. kind of friend, the French friend, because yeah. I thought she had a bit of a personality, and I'd like to talk, talk to her a bit more. But this one isn't related to Here You Are. It's it's a romance novel. It's set in the north of England. It's got some really interesting landscapes, urban and rural landscapes that are featuring. And two main characters that, to be honest, I'm fast falling for. Um, and I can't wait to get it out. So I'm about 50,000 words into it. And I'll probably finish that draft and get it over to the editors early next year. And we'll, we'll hopefully publish in the autumn. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So we can't let you go without letting our listeners know where they can find you online so that they can follow your journey. Oh, so you can find me on all the main social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I'm at Joe Fletcher Writes and my website is joefletcher.com. So you can find me there. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. Likewise, it's been really nice um, to talk to you both. Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, that was a fascinating interview with Joe. I am so pleased we had her as our first interview of the season. I thought it was fascinating as well. It's a good interview. Yeah. It gave us a really, really good insight into the mechanism behind the book that she wrote and behind the characters. It was really interesting and I can't wait for the next one to come out. And she said, Autumn, is that 12 months of a wait we've got? Yeah, we've got a long wait for this one. Well, not maybe not 12 months, but... Yeah, autumn. But it will be on the buy list. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So what have we got coming up next week? We've got Flash Fiction next week, haven't we? Oh, we have. So next week is our first Flash Fiction episode of the season. The writing prompt for it is The Midnight Library. Fascinating. And in my head, The Midnight Library brought up initially a library that did not exist and only came into existence at midnight for whatever reason. You're giving away your story, aren't you? You see, my mind just went straight to students. Why students? Having to cram work into... Ah, uh, OK. And, yeah, that, that was where I, I went. They all roll into the library at midnight after they come out of the pub. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward so much to reading the stories we get in on the next episode, which will be next Wednesday. And then the next book that we've got coming up to review is by an author that we have reviewed previously on the podcast. Uh, and it was a book, I believe, that Daisy really, really enjoyed. So we're reviewing the next one and it's called Control and it's written by Paul McMurray. Absolutely. We reviewed Reliance. We did. Yes. Originally. It was quite a while ago now, but it was about the entire Earth loses electricity thanks to some solar storm in the atmosphere. And we just lost absolutely everything. We had no power whatsoever. I think the season of books is called Powerless Earth. So, yes, Control is the next one. Really funny, you know, because you can tell how my mind works, because I'm thinking, well, why didn't Earth have a business continuity plan for when they lost all electricity? Who were they going to have it with? Saturn, Mars, the moon? <laughs> That's how my mind works. And you wonder why I'm Team Charlie. <laughs> well, yeah, you are an odd bod. This I know. 
all that remains now then is before we disappear is to say a massive thank you to Joe Fletcher for coming and joining us. Yes, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week for the Midnight Library. Thank you so much for listening. Take care of each other. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. Now you've had a listen, why not pop over and join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to send in your flash fiction submissions, you just need to email us at beerbookspod1 at gmail.com. And now that you're part of the Beer Books family, why not share us with all the bookworms and creatives in your life? Join me, Daisy Ray, on the Talk Poetry To Me podcast, where we dive into the hearts and minds of poets and spoken word artists, unveiling emotions, sharing stories and embracing the power of words. Tune in to discover the voices that paint our world with truth. Talk Poetry To Me. You can listen wherever you download your podcasts. Mm -hmm.